Welcome to Songs That Don't Suck with your host, Mark Bradbourne. Welcome to episode 39 of Songs That Don't Suck. Thanks for checking out the episode. I appreciate your ears. Okay, so randomly as I'm, you know, doom scrolling the internet, I saw a post or an article that noted that this weekend, uh, September 23rd, 1989, that the group Milli Vanilli started a two-week run at number one with their debut album, Girl, You Know It's True. I remember getting this uh, for Christmas. Uh, well, I guess it was. It must have been 89 um, as a cassette. <laughs> and it, from a pop perspective, it was a fantastic album. Now, for those of you who have no idea who Milli Vanilli is, they were a duo that basically as it turned out, fabricated their entire career. And it all started to come undone when their tape glitched during a live performance. And it was revealed that they were lip syncing. Uh, it was later revealed that they couldn't sing at all, like horribly. <laughs> uh, but it was the lip syncing that really was the beginning of the end for them. And it's ended tragically. One of them has died, if not both of them have died at this point. Um, but another story anyway. Uh, but it got me thinking, like nowadays, it's very commonplace for artists to lip sync in their live performances or, you know, have backing tracks with their vocal kind of pushed up or, you know, other instruments, what have you. And then in the studio, we've talked about auto-tune, and it's basically granted the ability um, for anyone who can get close to a note to sing. And it's all just deep fakery and misrepresentation. And these quote-unquote artists have these huge careers that are completely unimpacted by what can be only described as a lack of true natural talent to do it in the studio and on stage when they are live. Now... I am one who believes that if you can't do it live, you really can't do it. I have seen artists who have been absolutely horrible live, like the band Train. They opened for Ben Folds 5, and it was by far the most horrid national act I had ever seen on stage. And even in that moment, I knew that was them, and it was terrible. So, you know, props for being live, but good Lord, find a practice room. Now, I've seen artists like Kiss, who years ago, no backing tracks at all, could do everything live, put on an amazing show, and nowadays on their second or third farewell tour, whatever it is, they're using backing tracks for Paul's vocal, and you know, apparently in their in-ear monitors, it's like a whole script so they don't forget where they're at, and it really just kind of goes to point out that they probably should have stopped touring years ago. But... It makes me wonder when we, as the consumers of music, we go out and we purchase these expensive tickets to go see these concerts. I feel like we should expect and accept only a true live performance. But people, we spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to see these pantomimes, and I just don't get it. Uh, Taylor Swift, on her epic eras tour, didn't lip sync at all. I didn't detect any kind of backing vocal. And in fact, there was one point at the show that I was at where she had mic issues. Uh, the mic cut out. I don't know if it hit some sort of weird wireless interference or whatever, but she was tapping on her inner monitors and like 
tapping the vocal mic, trying to get it to start working again. But she was singing through that whole thing. So it was basically just an indication that, yeah, you know what? Sometimes this stuff happens live, but she handled it like a pro. Everything kind of even back out and the rest of the show was pretty much flawless. Um, so that she just proves that there are artists out there that can do it. And she did it for, you know, three hours at a time with choreography, multiple nights in a row. So any of these artists who are like, oh, well, I got to preserve my voice or whatever. Bullshit. There are people who are proving you wrong nightly. Um, and it just makes me wonder why are we rewarding these other mediocre acts? We should stop. I mean, there is a part of me in my cold Gen X heart that I hope one day we can kind of get back to the purity of live music where we know what we're seeing on stage is actually coming from the stage. Um, but I think part of me from you know here on out, you're just going to have to be very careful at the artists you pick if you really want live music so that you can experience true live music. Okay. Hey, before I get into this week's cover... I don't do a lot of advertisement, but I do want to give a shout out to some podcast buddies of mine. They run the Rock and Roll Autopsy podcast. I'm a huge fan of this podcast. They're coming up on their 100th episode really soon, and I find myself cracking up every week when I listen to them. They're just a couple of good guys, big music fans, and they pick a song each week and they dissect it using science that they have developed to figure out which songs truly killed rock and roll. It is a good time. I promise. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, this week's brain-bending cover is from a band called Self. And the cover is of the Doobie Brothers classic, What a Fool Believes. I forget how I initially heard of Self, but I'm pretty sure I was at the record exchange in Cuyahoga Falls, and it might have been a poster or they might have been playing, I think it was the single from the, the CD called Trunk Full of Amps. And the guy behind the counter kind of pointed me to it. The album is called Gizmodgery. And the really kind of unique thing about this album is that it's recorded entirely with toy instruments. Now, obviously, if you're using toy instruments, those aren't really built to be recorded in a studio. So the audio engineering on this album is truly incredible. Because unless someone like me told you that the whole album was toy instruments, you probably aren't going to notice that. I really love this version of the song. And I think the thing that endears me most to it is the toy piano sound. It just adds something that I find very satisfying. And I don't know if it's just kind of the general whimsy of it, or maybe it reminds me of when I was like a little kid playing a toy piano. Either way, it's super awesome. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Self or this album, Gizmodgery, it is absolutely worth a listen. Um, I can't speak to the rest of their music catalog. I honestly haven't listened to it, but Gizmodgery is absolutely worth a listen. All right, let's get into why we're all here, which is new music. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. Glad you're here. Each week, I listen to a bunch of new songs, uh, generally from the new music playlist on Spotify, but I'm branching out. I found stuff through Instagram. I found a couple of things through TikTok. I found things through Reddit this week. Um, I go through a bunch of crap, honestly. Most of the new music that is coming out, you know, it's crap. It's garbage. I try to find a handful of songs that I can share for you each week. And this week, I got four for you. So let's get into them. 
The first song this week is called Best Case Girl from Beeson. I'm a sucker for a harmonic on the acoustic guitar. I just love the way it sounds. And it was the first thing that I picked up probably within the first, I guess, 10 seconds of the song uh, as I was listening to it. The second thing that I picked up, and I don't know if it's a sample or not, it's hard to tell nowadays, but the drummer sounds like they are using what are known as broomsticks, um, which look like the old-fashioned straw brooms, if you know what I'm talking about. Basically, it's like they pulled the straw out of them and bundled it into a drumstick. It produces a very distinct sound. It's like this happy medium between a brush and a drumstick. Um, and I feel like that's what's being done here. Um, I'm, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm hearing. Um, and there's some other really cool percussion things that are tossed in as well. I feel like there's a, um, a cajon with like a snare attached to it uh, that they do like a little run. But unless you're hearing it through headphones, you're probably going, not going to hear it. Um, it's kind of down in the mix and you've really got to be listening for it. Um, but, but it's really cool nonetheless. Um, vocally, she's super laid back. Um, she's got a bit of that what I'll call that popular breathy vocal tone, but hers seems to have a lot more character than most. Um, and she's also got this cool moment in the chorus where her vocal feels like it's almost going to break and then falls onto the next note and the next phrase of the chorus. Um, really, really cool song to start us out this week. The second song this week is out of time by the Steelers. Now, as a Browns fan, I almost wince having to say the Steelers, but it's spelled completely different. Um, plus, these guys are from England. Um, now, in listening to this song, it got me really thinking about the structure of music. Uh, music, and especially drum parts, can be very predictable for me. Obviously, I've been listening to music for a long time. I've been playing music for a very long time. And most music falls into a very basic structure, you know, from a pop rock kind of genre thing where it's, you know, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, outro. And the drums will generally play very tight in the verses and then open up in the chorus, adding a little more volume. And maybe, you know, they might switch to the ride symbol or they might actually start riding the crash symbol, which gives like this wash effect and it fills the space and it adds dynamics. That's generally what you hear in kind of mainstream rock pop alternative music. Um, now, this song and this drummer did something different, which I really appreciate. And it's what I try to do in the songs that I have played drums on and recorded. Uh, in the verse, uh, the drummer is following the bass and accenting the guitar or the keys uh, that are creating and carrying the harmony before the vocal comes in. And then when the chorus hits, they go into this kind of Tom-driven phrasing, throwing uh, an open-close hi-hat and it just feels really good, but it's not predictable at all. And then kind of after the chorus, they slip right back into that verse feel, which is really cool. There is such a gift to be able to do this and move in non-traditional directions when you're making what I will consider mainstream rock. And it, to have it feel as good as this one does uh, is really, really impressive. Now, most songs structure-wise... It truly is a case-by-case -case basis because every songwriter, every musician is different. They all have their own little idiosyncrasies. But it's very nice to find one that kind of made my ears perk up because of 
just a different direction that the band decided to take. Um, now, in the outro, you will hear the drummer open things up to bring the song to kind of a climactic ending, uh, which is kind of neotypical, uh, but just a really, really cool rock song. And just I love the creativity and just having that be just a little bit different. Good stuff. The third song this week is I'm a Cadaver, Alakazam, from the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Okay, let's get the obvious out of the way. Psychedelic Porn Crumpets is an amazing band name. I see, oh God, I see hundreds of band names each week, and some of them are just ridiculous, and they're just weird spellings, and this, that, and the other. This is truly creative. And you will never forget the name Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. I guarantee you. Now, let's get into the song. This song is all over the place. And I will describe it as controlled chaos. But it's so interesting if you kind of start to dissect what they're doing. It opens with this intro, which I will describe as nearly unhinged. And it transitions out into this kind of groovy verse. It's kind of upbeat. And the lyrics are congratulating someone. And this is important, and I'll get to it in a minute. The chorus... Super catchy. It's got a nice pre-chorus hook to it. And then the second verse, the rhythm changes and it feels sadder. The lyrics are apologizing for somebody's loss of their dog. Having the whole mood change in the song is just crazy, but it works so well. Then it comes back into this unhinged intro part again and then back into the happy verse. But the happy verse has switched from kind of the straight drum feel to this halftime drum feel and then back into the chorus. They introduce then a slightly different halftime feel for the solo section, but it transitions back into the apology verse. So they're just kind of mixing and like macerating all of these different pieces together. Um the song ends mid phrase. They don't even finish the, they don't finish the thought. And at that point I was like, Holy crap. I can't tell you how many times I'd actually listen to this track to pull it apart and really figure out what they're doing because there is such a complexity in the structure of it, but it's not like heavy prog rock to the point where, you know, I feel like only, you know, a lot of times it's musicians who get that stuff they are kind of boiling it down for the masses. And I just, I really, I really appreciate that. Give this song a couple of listens. Uh, it does take a bit to get used to, but by God, it's fantastic once you get it. All right. The fourth and final song this week is I'm Confident That I'm Insecure by Lawrence. Big thanks to the music subreddit for dropping this one on my desk this week. Uh, I might have to go there more often just to kind of peruse and see what people are talking about. This came from a thread. Uh, someone was looking for new music or they were asking about what new music people had discovered. Um, I had never heard of Lawrence and they hadn't showed up on any playlists. So um, yeah, I was really glad to see this one. Um, let's okay. Let's just kind of put it out there to say it as simply as possible. Uh, Gracie Lawrence's voice is probably one of the best I've heard. And I don't know how long, uh, you throw her just 
simply beautiful voice on top of the ukulele to start this song. She does kind of her vocal run thing all over it. The song continues to build and she continues just to cook and her voice does more and more things in different ways. I was blown away every 30 seconds just because of the, what she was able to do with her voice, all of these different influences that start to pop out. It's crazy. Um, she's got just amazing vocal runs. She's got this on-demand edge, like a growl almost. Um, and she transitions from her chest voice to her head voice. Wow. It's just, wow. Um, Lawrence is an eight piece band. It started as a duo. Um, and it appears they all sing because there's all kinds of backing vocals that are happening through. And there's some guest vocals that come into, um, she is the only girl in the band. Um, but in the recording of this, they had at least two or three more other female vocals, um, that are backing her up. There's some really cheeky lyrics. It's honest and heartfelt. And quite frankly, it sums up how a lot of us feel depending on how our day is going. Um, you know, I end up speaking a lot to customers, uh, through my job, um, various sizes. And there are moments where I feel very insecure, but I'm very confident in that my insecurity. Um, but everyone has those moments when they're not so sure of themselves. Um, and this song, it was just, it summed it up really well. I thought it was really cool. All right. That is it for this episode. As always, spread the word to your fellow music fans about the podcast. Follow the show on social media. Hit up the website for transcripts and to send me song recommendations. And thanks for listening. And until next week, keep searching for and listening to songs that don't suck. <laughs>